I like to have him across the table and look him in the eye and, and ask them how they picture their death. This is the Begin Within podcast, where we believe real, lasting health and fitness requires you to start inside before you work out. I'm your host, Nate Slegger, and I'm here to show you behind the scenes of fitness. You already know exercise is good for you, but what about all the other things in life that affect your fitness? If you're looking for extra motivation to get started or to make sure you keep going, this is the place for you. Produced by BeginWithin.fit Before we get into our episode, could you do me a huge favor? That will only take you a few seconds Could you help me to get this show discovered by more people who could benefit from it? You're thinking, yes, I want to help, but how do I do it? Here's how you do it. Please make sure that you are following the Begin Within podcast on whatever podcast listening platform that you are on right now, and also give it a rating. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take 30 seconds to write a quick review about how much you love this show. If you've already done this, thank you so much. And if you're about to do it, thank you as well. Now, let's get into our episode. My guest today is Lynn Bowman. She is a 75-year-old mother, grandmother, a type 2 diabetic, and the author of the book Brownies for Breakfast. She is, I don't know how else to say this, she's super cool. I think you're going to really enjoy my conversation with her today. Here's what I want you to focus on as we go through the interview, as it unfolds. I want you to focus on her conversation with me about death. Yes, I know it's a little morbid. And if you're just starting out your day, I'll apologize. We're going to get really serious in this conversation. It's going to come up really, really quickly. But it's an interesting source of motivation that she uses, of course, drawing on her own background when it comes to chronic disease, how we can use the risk of chronic disease as a powerful source of motivation. So listen for that. Of course, I want you to listen as well to the things that she talks about when it comes to the way that we eat and what we are eating so that we can uh, decrease our risk of disease. Especially, she's going to talk about foods that are craveable. Listen as she uh, explains that a little bit, because I know for me, having a little bit better understanding of that really helps when it comes to the decisions that I make around food. I think it's going to help you as well. And finally, when she talks about changes, changes in chemistry, listen very carefully. She's going to talk about some of the 
changes that you can expect as you start to think differently about the food that you're eating and as you start to make different food selections in order to improve your health and decrease your risk of chronic disease. Here's my interview with Lynn Bowman. We were hipsters in 1964, 1965. And, and, and along with that came a kind of renewed interest in what was growing and being natural. And I wore a lot of calico and feathers in my hair and mm, so on. Okay. So uh, I, I, it, it was a natural transition to be more interested in, in what we were eating. You know, was it, but thing one of the seminal events nay was that my mother died when i was 18 and she died of a chronic disease and so i learned really up close and personal what it meant to a family uh when someone died of a chronic disease because it happens slowly it's difficult for everyone and it not only breaks your family apart in a very dramatic way but it breaks you financially and a lot of people weren't talking about that then and they're still not talking about it but it's it's a huge blow to an individual and to a family so that was always in the back of my mind and uh then when i started having children of my own um i learned in the pregnancy of my my first pregnancy with my son in 1975 that i had gestational diabetes not a lot discussed at the time i think there was not a whole lot really known about what to do, except that they said, well, you're likely to develop full-blown diabetes in your forties, type two diabetes. And so I, life proceeded and more babies and so on. And I asked uh, to be, no one wanted to, it's like, you're not overweight. You're okay. You're young. It's all right. Yeah. But I got someone to give me a hemoglobin A1C test, which is the one that you need to know about and need to do everybody every year, yep. so if you're over 40, especially. And finally, someone did the test. And sure enough, I was eh, over into, you know, edging into diabetic territory. Okay. So what's remarkable about that is that hardly anybody gets a diagnosis that early anymore. The only people who do get this indication that they are likely to be diabetic or they already are type two diabetic are people whose OBGYNs tell them. So men particularly miss this because it, there's, no, there's no symptom. You don't know it unless you have this blood test. So I had the gift of finding out early in my life. <laughs> At the time, it didn't seem early, but now, you know, 40s child, you know very early. Um, so I found out early in my life that I had this probability. And because my mother had died and I knew what that meant, I was determined I was going to stay healthy. I was going to stay on my feet. This episode is brought to you by our virtual, that is 100% online, six-week challenge. What's the challenge? You might be wondering. The challenge is to stay accountable to us for all six weeks with healthy movement and nutrition using regular workouts which are designed for you and a personalized meal plan we create with you by utilizing 
the very best ways we found to help our coaching clients to get real results, including weight loss. To get more details or to save your spot in the next round of our six-week challenge, go to the link in the show notes or go to beginwithin.fit and click on the Join Our Challenge button. Make sure you save your spot today. I was a single mom very quickly. Um, I had three in diapers and I was not going to get sick. I just was going to, I was determined that I was going to do whatever I had to do. I made that, I had a sort of Scarlett O'Hara moment where it was, you know, um, I am going to remain standing no matter what. And I have. (laughs) here I am but you you do that by making a decision Nate Mm. it's a decision people say well how did you quit that how did you that I made a decision that I was gonna do it and in your business in the fitness business you know and you can see when you look at people who are doing have they actually committed have they made a decision that they're gonna improve their health number one decide commit. And so for me, that was in a way built in, which easier than it is for a lot of other people. But I had the commitment. I had decided that I was going to remain healthy if I could. Is there, sorry uh, to interrupt. Is is there a, is there a method to that? I know like, as you're just describing for you, there's probably a grim appreciation for the, you know, the downside consequences, (laughs) right? Yeah in your experience and helping others, is there a formula that making a decision needs to go through? How, what are people missing when it comes to making a decision? That's a great question. And in my personal dealings with people, um, I like to have them across the table and look them in the eye and, and ask them how they picture their death. Mm. How do you say, yeah. and this is going to sound grim and horrible, Nate, but I, I, particularly men, and I, I have a husband and a son and I love men, but particularly you guys, you you visualize your death as some kind of a flaming thing out of fast and furious, or you're jumping out of a plane or you're in the ocean and a shark comes in. <laughs> so that I can guarantee you that is not how you're going to die what you're gonna do is you're gonna begin to lose your faculties and you will become dependent and you will be be unable to do the things that you wanna do if you don't choose to not die that way. That's how you're gonna die. Mm -hmm. Because particularly a chronic disease and 85 something, 85% of us, 82% of us have chronic diseases in this country because of the way we eat. And so all of the data is there that what's gonna happen to you is you are going to have one of these chronic diseases, typically diabetes, heart disease, they go together, sometimes both. And what that does to a man is particularly brutal because you you lose the use of your hands, your feet, Uh, you may or may not have to have amputations, you lose erectile function, you lose the ability to do the athletic things that you've wanted to do. So if that doesn't kind of get you over the decision process, what will? 
If you're not willing to take responsibility for how you're going to age and how you're going to die as best you can, because, and I have to tell you, I love being 75. I've never been happier. It's a fabulous time of life. If you're healthy, at least mentally healthy, at least your attitude is healthy. I have uh, the good fortune of, of also being physically healthy, even though I'm a type two diabetic, I can still chase a dog quite a distance. I can grab a kid and do, you know, I can do planks. I can, I can still have absolutely the physical life that I've wanted that I have. And I were, I do TRX and I do Pilates and those things, Awesome. which is brings so much happiness to you. I mean, if you can do those physical moves, it also means that you can create the hormones that literally make you happy mm -hmm. if you're able to move. Yeah. Uh, and, and then another thing, it's such a great social thing. And you see this, I'm sure in your work, I love going and seeing the, the ladies at, at workout and yeah. with COVID here, we have a little private studio, everyone's tested, so on and so forth. It's super healthy. So we can continue to do it, which is huge. And I know you're nice. probably fighting that in some ways, but, um, being able to be physical and to move into older age is huge. It's yeah. so important. So how do we get people to make that decision? That's how <laughs> I tell <Yeah>. them. <laughs> like, yeah. which one do you want? Do you want this or do you want the guy in the wheelchair? Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot it's of sense. It's up to you. You have to make a decision. Right. You mentioned Linda, the way we're eating at kind of as a society is, is contributing to the, the, I mean, the, the end that people don't want, what, right. what, what do you see or what are the things that, um, you, you point to as the, the ways that people are kind of eating themselves into that chronic disease, um, it's direction. it's not difficult and i'm not the only one talking about this i mean first and foremost we have to quit eating factory farmed animals we just have to quit it's it's destroying our health um and it's destroying the planet it's it's a it's something that we need to dramatically stop okay uh, number one um or maybe number one i don't know number two is stop eating sugar sugar is destructive in so many ways but if you're eating sugar and feeding sugar to your kids you are guaranteeing illness in your children and yourself it's going to make you sick in small ways or in large ways in my case because i'm diabetic major mm -hmm. but people walking around with frappuccino coffees all day i have dentists screaming all the time because people affluent people who go to the dentist all the time are wrecking their teeth. Mm. You cannot brush away the effects of sugar against your gums all day in these sugary coffees. Yeah. And don't forget milk is sugar. So, you know, all that foam on top yeah. that you love. No, you can't do that. No, black coffee, good coffee, but black coffee. Um, so those are two 
big ones. And if you think about what most Americans eat every day, and I'm not going to go through all the statistics here, you can look them up, but people are eating fast food three times, four times a day. They're driving through for everything. So what they're getting is meat, bad meat, and bread, bad bread, overprocessed, worthless, nutritionally bread, two, three times a day doesn't matter if you're getting a chicken thingy or a, you know, a rib thingy, thingy or a hamburger thingy or whatever. It's bad food. It's bad food. So it's addicting people. Literally, you are addicted to sugar. And processed flour, by the way, is just as addictive as sugar. It's the same on the glycemic index. So, and, and I think it helps some people to understand that there's an industry out there that is doing nothing all day in buildings in New Jersey, but make food craveable, craveable. What does that mean? It means that you literally cannot eat just one. Yeah. You're going to eat the whole bag. And so the difference in changing to nutrient dense foods is that you can stop eating. It's, it's as easy as that. It's not that hard. People say, well, how don't you have cravings for stuff? And mm, no, because what happens is when you stop eating the sugar or, or the dairy, um, the chemistry of your saliva actually changes. Mm. Isn't that fascinating? Did you it know is. that? I haven't, no, I have not heard that before. Tell me right. more. You're not talking to enough grannies, I can tell. You're probably right. You know, um, but it's it's fascinating to me that these things are not just an attitude. They're chemical. The same as when you have thoughts of terror and anxiety and so on, those thoughts in your head become chemical in your belly, in your gut. So when you can change the thoughts in your head, you're changing your gut. So likewise, if you stop eating things that are designed simply to sell you more of whatever they are, your body goes, oh, okay, thanks. And the chemistry changes in your mouth, your saliva changes. So, and people say to me, what's your favorite vegetable? I actually crave arugula and I'm not kidding Um, because when you take away things like overprocessed flour and sugar and bad meat, suddenly your nose and your tongue are open to some new Hmm. flavors Yeah, and they are very likely to go, wow, that's, that's really good. I know it's green, but it's good. And you change. You absolutely do change. I love that. I lo- because I, I've heard that so many times, um, you know, encouraging people to eat their veggies. I'm just like, oh, I don't, I don't like the way they taste. I don't, I'm like, I don't, I, I've never felt that way. But I also am like, you should just eat it anyway. Like, but well, no, okay. And can we talk about- a change that happens, right? Is can what we you're talk saying? about my it. book, Nate? Because it's- Yeah, let's do it. It's part of this argument, and that is, it's, it's called Brownies for Breakfast, a cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them. It turns out to be a formula perfect for everybody, 
but I wrote it for other diabetics because nobody ever wrote it for me. Mm-hmm. It's the book I wanted someone to do for me, which, and it's, it's very simple and very basic. And I hope kind of funny. Um, it's, my husband says, it's as if Dr. Seuss wrote a pretty serious cookbook, but so it's, <laughs> okay. it's kind of somewhere in, in like between it. there. But the point of it is you can eat fabulous food. You can eat brownies and pumpkin pie and all waffles, all kinds of great things. If you do it, if you cook it, if you make it yourself, mm. which everybody goes, Oh, I can't, I'm so busy. My kids, this, that, uh, I get it. Um, and my superpower, if I had one as a human being was putting dinner on in 15. Okay. I can open that fridge, whoop stuff out, pull it together, put it on the table. The kids are going like this. Everybody does a thing. And in 15 minutes, we got her done. If I could do it as single mother of three, you can do it. And the only way you're going to get healthy is to stop subsisting on prepared foods, on drive-through, on grab and go. It's every once in a while in an emergency. Okay. But you have to chop something. You have to get back to actual real food, whole food, real food. Yeah. Mostly plants. And I'm kind of quoting uh, uh, Michael Pollan, whom uh, I I think is great. He's fantastic. But this is not my formula. I didn't make this up. It's all out there for you to Google, for you to think about whatever, or you can just listen to me, take my word for it and stop right now eating sugar, eating dairy, eating bad meat. And you know, the other fabulous thing that happens to you is the weight drops off. Hmm. If you are concerned about your weight, you don't have to be. If you just change, not how much you're eating, but what you're eating eating. because it it becomes virtually impossible to really overeat. If you're eating good, well-sourced nutrient dense food. Nice. End of problem. I don't journal. I don't keep track of calories. I don't even, I don't measure my carbs. I don't have to because it's really simple. If you're eating good stuff, just keep eating good stuff. I love it. So this book talks about how to make a big pot of soup and then freeze it and then just do this and that to it. It's easy. It's not hard. And, and replacing sugar, easy, not hard. Another big one, because people think, oh, sugar substitutes, ew. There's some great ones out there. Monk fruit and uh, chicory root. These are fabulous wholesome, natural sweeteners. I'm not crazy about stevia. Sometimes it's okay. Um, But the sweetener business is changing and you don't have to eat sugar to have really great desserts. You can do this. Uh, And and it's not hard. None of it is hard. You just have to do it. Where's the best place to get your book? It's on Amazon. Uh, Brownies for breakfast is a title. If you prefer, and I encourage this to deal with your independent bookseller, ask them for it. They can buy it from their wholesaler. Just tell them that you want that book and it's great. And and that helps me. 
because, and I'm, uh, this is not a money-making deal for me, but, uh, but the reason to do it is to have more people getting the message and seeing this. More awareness. Yeah. It's a, it's a lovely book. I promise you'll like it. Just look at the reviews. Really good. Um, and, uh, I, I didn't do it for myself. I did it for you. So I, I hope you'll get it. Okay. I will absolutely link to it in the, in the show notes. Um, I have one last question for you. If someone's listening and they're just like, this is all brand new for me. My life is like a blank canvas when it comes to a healthy journey. Um, what, what advice would you give them as far as the best way for them to begin today? What I would love is to have you at my table. I would love to sit and have coffee with you and, and be your grandma, your, your kind of cool happening grandma, maybe, but, um, be your grandma. We're kind of missing our grandmas, aren't we? Um, because food is community. And one of the first things I would want you to do is think about how you're eating. Are you eating alone? If you're eating alone, that, that makes this really hard. So find a way, some way to eat with someone. Mm. Be, be as creative as you can be. Go down the hall, knock on a door, go down the street, say hello to somebody, go into a coffee shop. Look, I don't care how you do it. Call, call somebody you haven't talked to. Try and eat with someone. Nice. I love it. Lynn, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for inviting me, Nate. This is so fun. Someone recently told me, hey, if you want to really help people, if you want to get people to to get on board with coaching, with um, a nutrition program, a workout plan, here's what you need to do. You need to get morbid. You need to talk to them about death. And you know what? To be honest, that is not really my style. You know that if you've listened to more than one episode of the Begin Within podcast. But it's the reality of life, right? The choices that we make today are going to have consequences, good or bad, especially when it comes to lifestyle choices, things that become habits, things that are just part of our life day in and day out, the types of food we eat, the way we sleep, the way we connect with others, whether or not we move regularly, all those things end up having a future consequences. And I think it's nice once in a while for us, maybe not nice, maybe it's just beneficial for us once in a while to think about the future, the distant future for us if we keep going down the path that we're going. Where is this likely to lead me? And again, we're talking about risk, so you're always going to you're going to have people like my grandpa who, you know, has told me that he likes to have a beer in the morning sometimes and he has probably had more fried fish because he loves to fish and he loves to eat it fried. He's probably had more fried fish than maybe anyone else on the planet at this point. He's 90 years old. And so he's doing a lot of things that people would say, see, look at, he's doing great. He's living long and he's still doing all these things that, you know, people said was dangerous. 
we have to keep in mind, we're talking about risks. We're talking about increasing a likelihood of a future scenario. There are always going to be outliers. And especially when people point to individuals who are living longer, right? They love to say, well, look at, they did this, they did that. Um, right? There's a lot of factors that come into play. But there are things that you and I right now have control over that will increase the probability that we are healthier and live longer if things continue on the way they are, right? And there are things that we can do right now that will increase the risk of us suffering, having pain, and a shorter life. So how's that for motivation? To take a really good look at where we're at. And maybe it's not about ourselves but the reality is those decisions impact our ability to have time and meaningful connection with the people that we love and the people that love us back and i appreciate lynn's perspective so much as a mother and a grandmother looking at all of this and being able to be real with us and and explain explain this. So definitely good for us all to think about once in a while, right? Are the choices that I'm making today going to benefit future me? Or is future me going to wish that today I had done something differently? Like I asked you at the outset of this episode to listen closely for the things that she talked about when it came to specific food choices. And in in particular, that idea of foods that are craveable. Like I mentioned to you, uh, understanding that that reality that there are people out there, all they want to do is make money. They want to make food that people have to keep eating. People are going to seek it out because it's so delicious. It crunches a certain way. It feels a certain way. It has a certain level of sweetness. They have no concern over whether whether or not that is going to make us better versions of ourselves. All they want to do is sell food. Realizing that that is, that is the case for me has been kind of motivational in trying to steer away from some of those foods or if I am consuming them to be cognizant of that fact. Man, these chips are good. They are good because they have been designed to be craveable or maybe addictive, right? We throw that word around, but they have been designed to be hard to stop eating. And sometimes just that awareness for me makes me want to, you know, make a healthier choice in that moment. And I hope that it would do the same for you. It's, it's, it's great to be aware of it, if nothing else, right? And then finally, the thing I asked you to listen for was the changes, right? The changes that happen. And it is so true, right? We know that the thoughts that we think, the feelings that we have, they affect our, our gut, for example. Things change physically based on what's happening in our brain. And 
there are other you know, physiological changes that happen as we make changes to the foods that we eat. Like she talked about, our, our tastes, the foods that we want to seek out start to change when we start being more intentional about eating foods that for us are on the healthier end of the spectrum. So whether or not right now I like vegetables, I really enjoy eating them, the reality is that as I start to incorporate them, things are going to start changing in my body and I will start to gravitate toward choosing more of those things. Like I said earlier, there's there's people out there trying to hack it the other way to get us to crave foods that are not going to take us probably where we want to go if we consume them in mass quantities. So why not do everything that we can to control the process the other way and make healthy eating easier and get ourselves headed in that direction of actually desiring to eat things that are going to take us where we want to go and are on the healthier end of the spectrum for us. You know, before I go, I thought the way that she closed the interview was so interesting. Reflecting on the fact that food helps us to connect, connect with the world outside of us, right? It obviously helps us to connect with the earth. It's how we get the nutrients that are in the soil out of the earth and into our bodies, right? We can't eat dirt. We get it through food. But it's also an opportunity for us to connect with other people. And it's a beautiful thing, I believe, once in a while to just take a look at if we can use that connection of food in order to pursue maybe a better relationship with someone else or maybe to start a new relationship with someone, someone that we can give to, someone that we can support, someone that we can help. What an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? I'm going to link in the show notes to Lynn's book and also to her website. So if you have an opportunity to connect with her, if you'd like to, thank you so much for being here with me, for spending some time with me here on the Begin Within podcast. I will talk to you again next week. <laughs>